This is episode 431 of the AWS podcast, released on March 16, 2021. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Lee here with you. Great to have you back for this launch episode. I'm joined today by Anant Patel, who's a Senior Program Manager here at AWS. G'day Anant, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Simon. Thanks for coming on board and talking to us about something we discussed during our reInvent coverage because it came in in preview, but it has now been launched and this is Amazon Lookout for Vision, which is a very exciting new service uh, that is available for customers. But, you know, before we even get into the service itself, uh, we don't build services for fun. <laughs> we build them because we think that customers need them and customers often tell us that they need them. So what is what domain does this particular service address and why did the team come up with it? Yeah, great, great question. Um, so we've been talking to customers specifically in the manufacturing and industrial space for about two plus years now. Uh, and we know that they have a strong desire to not only track and quantify their costs uh, and quality of their products overall, but obviously manage them and improve that over time. And they want to figure out better ways to do that. Today, they often use human inspectors to manually kind of review each individual object. Uh, sometimes that's easy to implement, but obviously difficult to scale and maintain. Coverage becomes an issue. You can't always track 100% of them. Uh, so they're looking for more automated ways to do that. Uh, and secondly, you know, we talked to some customers who go into the space around how do I use machine learning and computer vision to help automate some of this process for me. Uh, and some of the challenges that we're hearing from them is that it's difficult to set up if I need to build it in-house, often require the right data scientists and engineers, that becomes costly and difficult to attract the right talent, uh, scale across different use cases. Uh, and then if you go to the third party, for example, those machine vision systems are often rule-based, they're very specific to a use case and do really well for that use case. But what happens when my lighting condition changes? What happens if my environment changes? What happens if my product itself changes? How do I update those rules? How do I update those systems and maintain them over time? And that becomes a very costly expense as well. So we're trying to figure out better ways to, to do that and using computer vision uh, as part of a way to visually inspect objects, identify what's truly normal, what's, what's a defect. Uh, and then enabling that type of technology that they can scale across different use cases is really what the purpose of Amazon Book Alpha Vision is intended to do. Uh, we really want to make sure that we're enabling them to reduce their operational costs, increase their speed of deployment, uh, and ultimately help reduce that, that cost that we see from warranty claims, from rework, from customer returns. Those are all multi-billion dollars uh, affecting customers across the space today. So I think you, you raised a number of really interesting issues there that, that are broader than just uh, the manufacturing use case, which is that, you know, manufacturing is obviously uh, trying to deal with volume and velocity and manufacturing and checking of millions of objects, et cetera, which are problems that are typically very well suited to computers. And I think coming into that as well is the concept that machine learning has, has been an interesting concept that people are like, well, that's interesting and I can build models, I can do stuff. But I probably want to do something more specific. And if I don't have to build it, that would be great as well. It feels like this is kind of bringing the technology closer to the use case versus trying to force a use case into a technology. 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, let's take an example of an automotive customer. Um, you know, they're taking their, they have a welding area, they have an engine assembly area, they have end of light inspection, they have painting and making sure that the color is correct. You know, all of those different problems have their own unique defect types, their own different quality specs that they have to maintain. Um, having to build each individual solution to do that becomes very difficult to do. Uh, what we're trying to do, try to enable customers without any machine learning experience, is to create, run, and maintain lookout revision models that can, can, there's a fundamental layer of what the science behind it all supports, but you can bring images from each individual inspection point and train a model that's unique to that particular problem or use case. So let's dive into Amazon Lookout for Vision itself and and think about, firstly, how does it help customers? So kind of state of the, the business problem they're dealing with, but how does it help? And then and then maybe let's get into the, the guts of it of how I might take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah. So the one sentence description of Amazon Lookout for Vision that we, we try to just make sure it resonates is we're helping customers spot product defects using computer vision to automate quality inspection. Kind of gives you the what, the how, and the why. Uh, and really, the, the the key things I just mentioned around create, run, and maintain a model is really where I think we start to provide a lot of value for customers. Uh, simply from the first one, create a model. You know, historically, machine learning takes thousands, hundreds or thousands of images to train a model. Or at least that's kind of the, the norm or understanding. With Lookout for Vision, we're saying you can bring in as little as 30 images you can train that initial model, you can see how the performance is, and then kind of calibrate, you know, I need to add more images to this to get to the right desired level of accuracy, or does this meet my, my use case today? As far as the run aspect of it, you know, we don't have a hard requirement on what type of camera to use. We want customers to be able to use either their existing infrastructure, or we do have partners that we can bring in and help them come up with a lower cost solution. If we think about some of our competitors, uh, perhaps, you know, we're talking about $30,000, $40,000 cameras. We're really trying to avoid a lot of that and try to make this as low cost solution as possible for customers to get started. So I've already got sort of, um, you know, reasonable quality cameras as in the the resolution, but they're not sort of smart cameras. I could essentially be sending that imagery into, into Lookout for Vision. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the, the guiding principle, you know, it's a very, again, very diverse space. But uh, when you come, when you think about a use case or if this is a good fit for lookout for vision, the science guidelines are, if I can see the defect with my human eye in the image, so I can see a scratch, you can see a dent, a discoloration, whatever that may be, that's typically something that our system can be calibrated to, to pick up. So that, that is a very broad statement, but that at least gives you an idea of, kind of a are my images sufficient enough? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, if, 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 I, if I'm taking the picture on a potato, I'm probably not going to. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, that's that's kind of the guidelines, right? We don't we don't want to necessarily over-index and say you need this really expensive high-resolution camera. It might be suitable for some use cases, but not every single use case requires that. And we want to make sure that we're at least letting them bring in what they have today versus forcing them into a higher cost solution that might not be, you know, incrementally better than before. And what picture formats are supported at the moment? Right now, it's just JPEG and PNG. So those are the two formats we have. Um, if there are other ones, of course, we're interested in, in learning, you know, how customers want to use this and what type of images formats they want to bring in. Uh, but we also can have, you know, some, some solution architect support where we could convert, you know, any images to make it more compliant with Lookout for Vision. So that shouldn't be a blocker, but right now it is JPEG and, and PNG. 
And so let's let's talk maybe about the the, the getting started process and the running process because uh, listeners will have heard us talk from a machine learning perspective a lot about the concept of training the model and then getting inferences from the model. And they're two very different modalities. They require different types of compute and, and intense resource and, and often are a problem for, for customers because they are so different. How does Lookout for Vision handle that and how does it make it a bit easier for the customers to, to get going? Yeah, so Lookout for Vision is a fully managed service. So you can go onto the AWS console today, look up Lookout for Vision and, and pretty much get started. Uh, the first step would be to, of course, capture images. And you can bring in images into your uh, local drive. You can do it through Amazon S3. Um, and you can bring in those images into a specific project. And the best way to think about a project is it's either manufacturing line A, manufacturing line B, use case A, use case B. It can be you know very different opportunities that you're going after, but it's just a way to organize your different models and what ultimately you end up training across many different production lines. So after you create a project, your next step is to create a data set. So using those images that you brought in, you can create a data set. We have labeling tools already part of the console. So right now it is a uh, binary classification. Is this object normal or anomaly? So you can just kind of within a few click clicks, um, add normal or anomalous labels to every image. That can be tedious. And we know that can be tedious in terms of just that upfront customer investment. So the best way that we recommend is actually you can import your images if, as long as you organize them in S3 into two subfolders, normal and anomaly, and you organize your images accordingly. We'll actually pull in all of those images and label them for you nice. so that your data set is already pre-labeled. You're ready to go. It tells you kind of your it shows you, you know, I have enough images to train this first model and I can click train model. And, you know, within an hour, you have your first version of lookout for vision for that particular use case. That training time is remarkable because, you know, often, often visual training takes a long time. In fact, I'm going to, going to hark back to a project. One of my colleagues, Jenny Davies did it a couple of years back, detecting hard hats on people's heads. And she took hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of photos and then had to run it through many, many hours of machine learning training. Whereas this does it in a way that needs a smaller data set, but still gives you the accuracy you need. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it's going to vary based on the image themselves and, and how many images, you know, on average, we probably say up to two hours is, is kind of the average training time we're seeing. Um, but we do have, you know, support larger data sets if it takes longer than that. More or less, we time out after 24 hours. So even if you have to leave it running overnight, for example, you know, the next morning, you should have a model that's trained for your use case. What about retraining the model? So, so over time, obviously, we're using the system. Is there is there a process to to update that model based upon all the other data that's being fed through the inference engine? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, so we know that thirty images may seem like a low bar, but we want to reduce that barrier of entry so that you can kind of again see what the model performs at, recalibrate as needed. Uh, but we do have mechanisms to help you kind of maintain and improve the performance of that model. Uh, one step, of course, continue to add more images as they come in. Secondly, we offer this thing called trial detections, which is really a feedback loop where you can put a new batch of images to that model. We'll make predictions based on how that model performs and say these images are normal or anomalous. And you can go in and actually verify those predictions and say, yep, look out for vision got this right or look out for vision got this wrong. And you can add those verified images back to your training data set and train V2 of that model. So what you're 
essentially doing over time is you're you're validating whether your model is performing as expected uh, that have a feedback loop to allow you to do that and maintain the performance of that model. So let's talk about the, the inference part. So when we're actually making decisions, how does that fit into the overall workflow? Yeah, so right now it is a binary output. So after my model, say, reaches 90, 95% accuracy, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to use this in, in production. We offer a few code snippets directly in the console that you can copy in. You can start hosting your model and you can call Detect Anomalies API. And the response out of that is, is, is this image or this object anomalous or not and a confidence score. So it is just kind of a binary output with a confidence score that we tell users today on whether uh, that object is normal or anomalous. But what we now understand or what we want to bring into the, the back end is, okay, what's the customer disposition process? What, How do they want to use that output to ultimately make a decision of, do I want to scrap this product? Do I want to kick it off? Do I want to integrate it with a PLC so it, it actually kicks off a product into a different line? That's not something that Lookout for Vision has the strong expertise in. We're really part of the image analysis part of the equation. But if you think about the end-to-end solution from you know camera acquisition, image analysis, and then integration piece, uh, that last piece, integration, we have a partner ecosystem of system integrators, ISV partners, uh, who can actually come in and help work with customers and say, how do I integrate that signal? into my actual process so that it makes makes my job, it makes my that automation much more simple. And that's ultimately how we how we've been approaching customers today is let's get let's understand your requirements, but then let's make sure we have the right partners behind you or behind us to ultimately uh, provide that end-to-end solution that you're looking for. Yeah, there's a, a whole ecosystem when it comes to manufacturing that is uh, both deep and wide. But by having these more meaningful inputs from the line, it means we can make better decisions. And, and I want to come back to, to some of those decisions because obviously the model will get it right with a reasonable level of confidence. And you, you mentioned sort of 95% confidence and other levels you can go to. Tell us about the Amazon augmented AI approach that we can use to kind of check, uh, are we getting the results we want? Because, you know, sometimes things change or we're just not sure we're getting the results we want. We need that extra feedback loop. Yeah, yeah. So we can bring in A2I and, and actually, you know, provide a kind of human in the loop type of aspect. So there's kind of three different ways that we we're categorizing how customers want to use lookout for vision. One is to augment manual inspection, which I think aligns very cleanly to A2I of I don't want to fully automate this, but I want to make sure that I can flag an anomaly, so to speak, and have an operator, someone come check it out, verify that it's actually there, and then continue to make the decision. And so that's kind of where A2I comes in into play. The other two being automate this fully, where you just have business logic that you create uh, and working with perhaps a system integrator to, to deploy that. And the last one is just scale some existing solution that I already have. With that first opportunity point in particular, A2I can become a powerful tool that allows customers to route that to the right operator, that signal to a right operator for, for better decision making, and then continue to feed that feed that back into the model output. So it's interesting some of the, the use cases. I mean, there's things like detecting damage to parts. So you can look at welds and dents and cracks and bubbles. The shape of objects, you can look for missing components. That's probably a good one. <laughs> a screw didn't get put in, <laughs> probably a probably a problem. Um, but but also, I think one of the ones that's interesting is the the process issues. So the ability to detect defects that have a repeating pattern. Maybe talk us about to, to us about that because that, that's interesting. That's that's more than just it's here, it's not here. It's 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 a little more sophisticated than that. 
Yeah. So our dashboard that we offer, as I mentioned earlier, has has the ability to kind of look across projects. So if I'm a VP of operations, if I'm the quality manager and I want to say, you know, I have four different production lines, all are tracking different types of defects. I, I want the business insights to understand, you know, is am I finding a defect every four seconds, you know, for the last 10 minutes? That typically is a, is a red flag for a lot of quality managers to say, hey, it's not necessarily that you know, my defect rate or, or the defects coming off is, is just a one-off. There's probably something happening here. That dashboard feature actually allows them to better understand, are there bigger process issues happening upstream that is actually creating a lot of these defects? And that allows them then to dig, dig, dig a little deeper and do a bit more root cause analysis and understand what's happening. We also have integrations with other services. So Rather than having to sit there and watch the dashboard, for example, we can work with AWS CloudWatch, for example, and create alerts so that if a certain threshold uh, or certain confidence scores is seen or a number of defects are found within a certain amount of time, I can alert someone and really automate some of that that work for them. But all of that being said is to allow them to better understand what's happening in their upstream and downstream processes and making sure that they're tracking it early on and before it actually gets to the end customer. And so how does someone get started? Like one thing I noticed is obviously it's a managed service, it's pay as you go, pay for what you use, which we love. And it has a free tier. So that means that I can, you know, even if I'm sort of, this has piqued my interest, I could probably take a look at it. How would I start? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you're, you're taking the words out of my mouth. We definitely have, you know, a lot of good documentation on on our, our product detail page. So if you just search Amazon Lookout for Vision, um, a lot of good information on different use cases we worked on, how the system works, a kind of a clean step-by-step process to uh, bring in your images, train your first model. Using the free tier is highly recommended. That allows you just to do some experimentation, you know, understand, you know, what types of models and use cases can I try out? Some of the challenges with even getting started on the free tier is that I don't have data and I don't have a way to actually test this out, but hey, we're also offering that as well. So we do have a GitHub repository for Lookout for Vision specifically, and that has a circuit board oh, data set cool. that's publicly available. Uh, and we really want, you know, it's 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 a bit mock data, but it, it, there's thousands of images in there and allows you to, we've already kind of split it up into train test, you know, trial detections for feedback and some extra images if you want to run inference. But that's a good way to just kind of download a data set, run it through Lookout for Vision, use the free tier so you're not being charged for it. And you get a feel for how do I actually set this up? How And then how could I apply this to, you know, my own kind of customer uh, opportunities? Sounds pretty straightforward. So this is now generally available. What are what are the regions it's currently available in? Obviously, it'll grow over time, but where should people be looking from a regional standpoint? We're currently live in seven regions, most of them in the U.S. So we have U.S. East, US East West, East and two in Europe, so in Ireland, Frankfurt, and then we have two regions in, in Asia, in Tokyo and Seoul. So those are those are the seven right now. Still evaluating, you know, new opportunities and new regions to expand to. But for now, I think that gives us good coverage in North America, Europe, and and in Asia. You can definitely get going, and I, I guess you know we've we've had the sort of the the time between the the um, the preview and the and the GA. What's been the feedback you've been getting from customers about this particular service? What what did you learn if you like during that that period between saying, "Hey, this is available to try" versus the GA? I think a lot of customers are super excited about this. You know, we're seeing a lot of good good traction and a lot of good interest from you know even from the smaller companies all the way to the, to larger companies and, and figuring out how do I you know deploy this type of 
science and technology into my production lines. I think the, the lessons learned is trying to change the physical environment of a manufacturing line can take time. So it is a patient process and we're, we're trying to learn with our customers as well. Um, you know, the biggest challenge we've seen so far is I don't have cameras to get started. What's the best way that I, I get started or how do I understand what's the right ways to actually build the right specs so that I can find my defects uh, over time? Uh, and that's our job is to help connect you know, our customers to our partner ecosystem and making sure that they have the right expertise to be set up for success. That is honestly some of the, the biggest challenges we're facing. But at a high level, I think a lot of customers are resonating with the value proposition and seeing you know, there is a lot of value in not having to build a custom solution for every single inspection point. I can use the same fundamental science across my, my different lines. And that's what they're super excited about engaging with us on. Yeah, it's a super powerful capability, which is really exciting. Hey, Nan, thanks so much for coming on the show and telling us all about it. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us on. And thanks everyone for listening. We do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com is the place to do that. And until next time, keep on building.